Hello and welcome to this episode of Two Heels in a Face Wrestling Podcast. I am Compadre Chris, and on this episode, Charlie sits down with a special guest. Our special guest is BJ Mendelson. He is the author of Social Media is Bullshit, and he is a women's wrestling fanatic. Uh, in this episode, Charlie and BJ talk about women's wrestling in the independent scene, talk about social media tips and tricks as he wrote that book, Social Media is Bullshit. He also talks about his favorite picks for the May Young Classic. This conversation was recorded about a month ago, so a few things might feel like uh, they're a bit old or they have already passed, and it's okay, they have. We had this one in the can for a while, so we apologize. That's it for me, you only get me in the intro. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at Two Heels in a Face, Instagram, Facebook, Two Heels in a Face. You wanna find me, you can find me on Twitter, at Project Chris. You can find Charlie, at Chuck underscore Colorado. The rest of BJ's info is in the description. I will leave you guys to Charlie and BJ Mendelson. I'm now on the line with uh, BJ Mendelson. BJ Mendelson is a little bit different than uh, other guests that we've had uh, on Two Heels in a Face Wrestling Podcast, and that's good. You, as you know, you, the listener, if you have been listening to us or been following us, et cetera, et cetera, you know um, any opportunity to be different is something that we very much try to latch on to. Uh, so BJ approached us, and here we are talking. Uh, so, BJ, I'm going to allow you to uh, introduce yourself. You now have the floor, and welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I guess I'll start with my, my wrestling credentials first, right, or the little oh, bit yes. that I have. Uh, so I've worked with the advertising agency that's put on WWE's uh, Access event before WrestleMania. Uh, I've been up for a couple of jobs with WWE on the, on the social side, and um, both times I've just not pursued it. When it's when okay. it's come up, and we can talk about that. And um, last year, I guess full disclosure, since we'll talk about impact, I was talking with uh, uh, the executive board that was previously in place before Anthem came in with their purchase uh, about different strategic things that the company could do online. And so I'm more of like a behind the scenes kind of wrestling fan, where you know I I haven't worked like with the in ring product, but I'm right. definitely familiar with, with what goes on behind the scenes on on the digital side. So. Uh, there's that, and so I'm okay. also the author of a book uh, called Social Media is Bullshit, and uh, a couple mm-hmm. comic books. One of them is called Jobbers, which is pro wrestling themed, and another one is called Vengeance Nevada. Both are out on Comicsology for people to check out. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I write funny shit on Twitter and I talk about wrestling. So that's that's really all there is. <laughs> Great, that's a lot. You you say that's all there is, but that that was a mouthful uh, in a good way. <laughs> um, uh, so tell me more. I, I want to get into the social media is bullshit. Um, sure. book but first first uh, only because uh, Chris and I um, uh, uh, were wrestling fans in Chicago right but like we have the desire to also create content hence the podcast so uh, and and both of us work in the digital marketing space um, so right. it's in- yeah so it's interesting that um, you know we can combine the worlds here in our conversation uh, I wanted to ask um, about your in- potential inquiries with Impact and WWE and those positions that uh, at least you were potentially looking at or you, you were looking to contribute in different ways. Uh, what were 
those positions specific and uh, to and uh, insult in the space of social media? And what would you say your strengths were or like how can, have you built that reputation to that, like thus be considered for those positions? Sure. Uh, well, the first one was, I don't know if people remember, um, but Alberto Del Rio slapped the shit out of uh, the, the social media producer over at uh, oh, WWE. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I got a call not long after because the guy um, decided to part ways with the company. And okay. so I got a call about potentially replacing him. I, I, haven't, I have an issue with my nervous system, uh, so I'm not able to do the road schedule that WWE has. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, we did talk a little bit about that and what that might look like, but I just can't do, I mean, those, the men and women, uh, really true for all wrestlers, regardless of what league they're in, uh, they do a, a shit ton of traveling and it's just not something I'm able to do. Right. Um, so that's, that's what that was with WWE with, with impact. It was kind of strange because what happened was they, they knew that they were going to sell, like they knew that they were getting ready to relaunch the product. So it wasn't like a specific title because it was more like, well, what are you thinking of doing? Would you like to write for us or would you like to do the digital stuff? And I was intimidated by the idea of doing any sort of like wrestling writing because it's not okay. something, I, you know, like, you know, as a fan, I, I fantasy book shit all the time. We all do. Right. Uh, it's part of the fun of being a wrestling fan. Like today, uh, I was joking around that Diamante, uh, for people that don't watch Impact, uh, who, the, the female member of LAX should be like Omar Little. And that should be her character. It's just fucking up everyone's shit randomly okay. uh, during, the, during the course of the show. So she's kind of like this badass outlaw uh, that you can hire out. And so, like, I tell you that because, you know, I'm constantly writing in my head things that the characters could do. But the idea of actually doing it without ever having gone, gone through wrestling school or, or knowing the business uh, and not really knowing it in an intimate way was a little intimidating for me. So uh, okay. I did give them some ideas. We did talk about doing some digital stuff. Uh, they sold. They. I was involved with uh, another group that was going to come in and buy it. Wasn't necessarily Anthem at that point. Uh, that's really all I could say about that. But Anthem mm -hmm. kind of came in with with the winning bid, and and so they cleared house, and a couple of my contacts had left. But uh, so that's that's what that was. It was sort of like a free range. What what do you think you can do for us? And so the reason why oh. I, I got to have these conversations uh, is because uh, you know I. I've done the research on marketing to the point where, uh, you know, I've, I've been invited to speak all over the world. I've been almost everywhere at this point. Uh, I wrote, I literally wrote the book on online marketing to a certain extent. And so I've, I've been lucky enough to just meet the right people who know other people. And so that's how the connection came about uh, okay. with Impact and, and with WWE, where it was like, hey, um, a friend of mine used to run MTV and he knows the CSO of Impact, or the former CSO of Impact Wrestling, why don't you guys talk? Uh, so that's that's sort of like how those connections happen. It's, it's always who you know, and um, I, I like to think I'm, a, I'm an authority on marketing. You know, I don't take myself too seriously, though. I never describe myself actively that way, but uh, okay. that's sort of what, what got my foot in the door with them. Great. Um, that's really interesting stuff. And like I said, you're a lot different than any uh, guests we've had on, so I'm glad we're having this conversation. Um, the book Social Media is Bullshit. So that's a that's a title that sticks out, um, obviously. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, it, I think, that, like, I want to dig deeper on, like, what that actually kind of means without you obviously giving away the entire book because we want people to go sure. buy it and purchase it and read it. But um, 
why that title? Because I think a lot of social media can be bullshit, but it's kind of based around the way that people use it. Like it can be so powerful exactly. if you use it for the right reasons. Uh, so right. But why, why that title? Well, so uh, just first thing, I'm happy to give the book away for free if people go to bjmendelson.com. Oh. Uh, they go to the contact page. My actual cell phone number is on there, and they can text me the word sheetrock, which is spelled exactly as it sounds, sheetrock, uh, to the phone number that's on there. And that's my actual number, and I will send them a free PDF of social media's bullshit. I just got the rights back to it, so I can do whatever I want. Like, I can give it away for free. I can put it out as an audiobook, um, which is what I'm working on right now, so I am all for giving it out. Uh, cool. So really, it's, the best way I can describe the book in wrestling terms is that uh, David Lagana used to write for WWE. You know, he wrote for Friends and wrote for Impact for a long time. Uh, he's responsible for probably the worst Impact storyline. Uh, we're partly responsible for uh, for those that have a long memory, the, the Claire Lynch, AJ Styles, uh, do the right thing, AJ uh, storyline. So uh, David, David and I were talking about social media's bullshit when it came out, and he's like, you know, uh, this is like the perfect heel thing because you know you're taking like this antagonistic approach, and you believe it, which is what all the best villains do, and. Um, <laughs> And so that's that's really what it's definitely like a pro wrestling kind of title where you know I'm not saying don't use social media, but what I'm saying is at the time there was a lot of uh, myth and hype from people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Seth Godin and Chris Brogan and Guy Kawasaki about what social media could do, and uh, you know they were saying shit like this will give you a voice equal to CNN, and so uh, there was a whole lot of people out there that were just spending millions of dollars trying and billions in some cases just trying to use this stuff and failing miserably at it because they were using it in such a way that it wasn't designed for. And so the book kind of just says, look, let's, let's take a step back and let's just take a realistic approach to what this stuff can and can't do. So, for example, like in 2012 and before, uh, the myth was, you know, people are always looking for something new. Uh, but the truth is, is that people don't want new stuff. They want stuff that's familiar that's just packaged in a slightly different way. Uh, yeah. That that you you see that time and time again in, in all forms of entertainment, and so that was a thing where they're like, oh well, if you go on Twitter, you know, there's there's people just waiting to to discover you, and I'm like, no man, that's that's not how it works. If you go on Twitter and have something that looks like something else that people like, well, then you have their interest, and so it's really more just taking a rational, logical approach to marketing than it is saying uh, all this stuff is horseshit and don't use it. Oh. Right. Yeah, no, that uh, what you said uh, makes sense from at least like my uh, interactions with other human beings is that, uh, yeah, people have comfortable niches that they uh, usually settle themselves within and interests and like there's some cross interests. But yeah, a lot like a lot of what I like is just storytelling packaged up in different yep. ways, uh, whether it's in the ring or whether it's like a marketing form uh, or service or thing like that. So. Oh, that's interesting, and, that's, and I, I'm I'm interested enough to probably text you sheetrock later, or in some <laughs> some type of way get that awesome. book from you. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, just a quick example yeah, of what I'm talking about. Like, so uh, you know, if you don't watch Impact, and I just mentioned LAX or Diamante, you would have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. But in describing uh, a women's wrestler as Omar Little. You, you know, like it combines these two things that you might be familiar with, and now you're interested in the product. Like now you have a reason mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I know the wire, I know Omar, 
this is a cool thing that could be done in professional wrestling, and now you have interest in the product, as opposed to if I just told you, well, Diamante is awesome, and you should go and look her up on YouTube, you might go, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, but the right. might not follow it up. <laughs> no, it, it's true. It, it's something that I – it's something something that we really try to do here, and this is not me trying to put myself or Chris, my uh, my partner, over. It really isn't. It's something that I encourage everyone to do. Um, you, I mean, obviously, there's seven million podcasts, right? In the excuse me, seven million wrestling podcasts in the world. <laughs> right. So, like every day, Chris and I are, are asking ourselves, what can we do differently? And I feel like at least locally, we've been able within the. Sh- in Chicago and the Chicago wrestling community, we've been able to kind of stick out a little bit. Um, and and we, we, what I'm trying to say is exactly what you said. Like, hey, check this out. You, How many times do a day do people say that to you, right? And like sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. What we try to do is when we try to promote our stuff, we try to provide give a reason of value to the person for like listening to us. So that reason might be, hey – you might not like the sound of my voice, but if you're really interested in AEW, we just recorded a pre-show with the producer. So like, if you nice. really like AEW wrestling, yeah. If you really like AEW wrestling, go look at it. Like we don't say, Hey, check this out for a selfish reason. Like we try to put the product or like the thing we're trying to give away the piece of information that we're trying to give away before what we do. And then like, if that makes any sense. So um, that's what I would encourage people to do more is not only say go check something out but give a, a valuable reason as to why someone might want to whether that's a, something as simple as like a fight tv code like when all when when wrestlemania was happening and as you know all the indies just run shows out the ass out wherever wrestlemania is located which is great um it can get pricey if you're buying all these shows so we gave away our fight tv codes for free and like that was kind of our pitch to listen to that episode so, like, that's something we always are kind of trying to do is, uh, you know, provide that that legitimate uh, in, or genuine kind of value there, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. One thing I want to point out, though, is you should always put yourself over. Uh, the trick is <laughs> okay. just not to be – like, don't be obnoxious about it, but if you don't do it, no one else will. Like, you should talk yourself up if you get an opportunity because no one else is out there doing it for you. I mean, eventually people will – yeah, people will start doing it for you once you reach a certain level, but uh, until you're there, you just you keep doing it. And just one thing, I guess on wrestling podcast, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the big problem is everyone is sort of doing like their their post uh, pay per view reactions, or there's there's a lot of yeah. uh, there's a lot of WWE content. I really any any podcast that focuses on the indies, I, I think is gold. Uh, there really isn't as many of them as you might think. I think a lot of them trend towards. ROH or New Japan uh, and then right. WWE, and then, you know, then they might break for a second and acknowledge uh, like uh, Shimmer, for example. Like they might you know throw in a random Shimmer reference or Stardom or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I really recommend go just going hard on the Indies. That's something that I'm, I've been playing around with, uh, where I'm doing like these short 15 minute or less interviews with different wrestlers that that people have not heard of. Um, so like yeah. I, I did one with uh, Eric Aminon that that's up. On my Twitter account, and I'm doing one next week with uh, an Australian luchador named Facebook. Um, oh yeah, how so can I not? Seen, yeah, I've seen her stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, how can I not? Given that I wrote a book called "Social Media Is Bullshit," and her whole thing is uh, is like a living Facebook, and so uh, <laughs> and then we, you know, like, I'm just playing around with that. I don't know if that's actually going to be a thing, but 
yeah, anything that focuses on the Indies or anything that can make, differentiate the product is, is always good. And so I think you guys are definitely on that right track. And, you know, uh, next year, WrestleMania is going to be like a half hour from my house. Uh, but I can tell you, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford all those Indies that right. are going to pop up in New York and New Jersey. And so I almost wonder if it's to their detriment uh, to, to put on so many shows at once because it's going to be hard to stand out. Like, I almost wonder if All In might be a better model where, you know, independent mm-hmm. wrestling has its own, like, WrestleMania uh, weekend and you all kind of get together and collaborate as opposed to just piggybacking off of WWE. But that, that's a whole other thing. Right, yeah. And, I, and no, it's a good point because you had, but you, yeah, you had cards um, like, I think you hit, you hit, you made a great point is like, even in that saturated market, even if it's for a weekend, it's hard to stand out. And that's why you kind of had like GCW putting together these crazy cards and like really theming the hell out of their shows. And they seem to be able to draw pretty well. Um, And you had, although they, I don't, at least from watching the show, they didn't, didn't seem to draw really well, but beyond wrestling, had a show that was entirely intergender. So like, that's just another way to to stand out as well. um, That I, uh, I, I I love that trend. I think that that's probably one of the one I've been I've been pushing for two hundred five live to be intergender. I think it makes a ton of sense on a bunch of different levels. But uh, okay. that's definitely you know when we talk about product differentiation, uh, when it comes to the indies, that is probably the easiest and best thing they can do right now. And there's some great matches. You know, I mentioned Diamante. Uh, there, I can't remember who it was, but there's clips of her wrestling this dude, and she does like a slice bread number two off the wall, like she runs up the wall. Uh, to deliver it, and it's just this uh, fucking amazing thing. Uh, nice. Jordan Grace also has done a lot of inter- intergender matches, and, and she's uh, she's been wonderful in doing them. Mia Yim does it quite a bit. And so, yeah, I, yeah. that to me is like, if you're going to go and do WrestleMania weekend, and you, you, sh- you should do something like that, where it's all like uh, trios matches, or it's all uh, or it's intergender matches, where it's just it's something that's distinct from the other cards. Right, all right. And this is, uh, we're, we're, I might be skipping around a little bit on our agenda, but I think this is a good segue sure. just because the conversation is going there. Um, uh, and you told me you're a big advocate on women's wrestling, which is great because yeah. there needs to be more. Um, uh, and you mentioned a few names, uh, but would you, would you just say those names again? Or is there anyone else right now who like, you're really into on the uh, independent scene that's a woman or is like someone who's really, really sticking out to you? Yeah, so uh, for people who haven't seen it, I definitely, uh, I think if you Google Jordan Grace Spinebuster, she has the okay. nicest looking Spinebuster that I've seen since Double uh, I, I was a big wow. WCW fan. Grow- yeah, I was a big WCW guy wow. growing up. Like, yeah. I reluctantly watched WWE because it just wasn't what I grew up with. Uh, I, okay. just don't have, <laughs> I just don't have the alternative anymore, uh, no, not to disrespect Impact or ROH, but, you know, you don't have, like, that, it feels like a major league competitor. Um, I guess New Japan is kind of getting there, but that's, again, that's a whole other thing. So, um, Jordan Grace, for sure, has the best spine buster. Uh, Mia Yim is a badass. I just, uh, she was great in the Mae Young Classic. I hope they invite her back. Uh, She's very fluid in in the ring, and I really liked, uh, you know, I I keep going back to Impact, but I really liked the stable that she had with uh, Marty Bell, the dollhouse, uh, I thought that was something that was kind of crazy and unique and really interesting that uh, I would love to see it back. Right now, she's like she looks like Killmonger, like a lot, her ring gear okay. modeled after yeah, Killmonger in the Black Panther, which I think is, is really awesome. Uh, Chris Wolf uh, is hilarious. I, I don't know 
how to explain Chris Wolf. Yeah, she's than, popping up a lot. I see her in a lot yeah, of well, promos. What works is that it's sort of like a Bushwhacker character where it's okay. impossible not to love it. Like, the Bushwhackers had that appeal of, I don't care that this is wrestling. They just look like they're having so much fun uh, <laughs> being, being goofballs, you know? And so it's yeah. sort of like, for people that don't know, she, she, her whole thing is that she is a wolf that interacts with people. And she has, like, the funniest promos. If you Google, like, Chris Wolf, best promo ever, I think it comes up as, uh, she says something like, I'll fight a baby. <laughs> so, like, that's... <laughs> That's the entire thing, and so like she she's very good. Uh, so those are like those are the big ones. Uh, Diamante I mentioned. I am a huge um, I'm a huge Mark. I don't like that term, but that's the best way I can yeah. describe my fandom uh, for her. I'm sure that there are many of them. Forgetting right now, off the top of my head, uh, Rosemary also. Like Rosemary, okay. I think is criminally criminally underappreciated. As is Allie. I think generally the, the knockouts um, up and down the whole roster are criminally underappreciated. And so, you know, like those are the people that I would really point to. And I know uh, there's Women of Honor, and I know there's Io Shiari, who may or may not be popping up in the WWE at some point. But uh, yeah. those would be the people off the top of my head. Great, great. Um, well, I want to throw in another honorable mention and something that you, I would recommend you checking out. Obviously, I have bias towards this individual and this promotion. Uh, but you mentioned really people who, who could go intergender. Ma- who could go in inter- intergender matches and make it convincing. Um, uh, Freelance Wrestling um, in Chicago just did a, and I don't even know if it's a blow-off. There might be another stage to this feud, uh, but just kind of did like a, a, maybe it was like six-month blow-off uh, with Kylie Ray and GPA. Ah, very uh, nice. Yeah. It was uh, something, I would, uh, they're on powerbomb.tv, and you can okay. get the... Um, the show is Freelance versus The World 4. I'm not sure if it's up there yet. It will be soon if it's not. You can get 20 days free with the promo code Freelance. But um, very, very – Kylie Ray is someone who can go with the best of the, the men. Uh, yeah, so that's another – that's someone who I just wanted to put over as really, really good. And the match the match had the crowd – they had the crowd the problem on their hand because people were so heavily invested in the feud. Like it was going to be a good match kind of before it even started uh, kind of feel. Uh, but yeah, that's one I would recommend checking out. Um, I want to transition though into, um, uh, cause you, just cause you mentioned Allie and, um, Rosemary. Um, and before we got on, you said impact wrestling was maddening. So what did you mean by that? And what would you say, uh, would you say the state of impact wrestling is now? Because there's a couple, there's a recurring guest. His name is Trent. He's actually a producer for AEW. He comes on the podcast every now and then. Um, and he's a huge, he's like the number one impact fan that I've known in the world ever in my life. So, um, I, I, this is audio for him. So yes. What would you say is the state of it right now? And, uh, why was it maddening? All right. So, uh, I think that with the transition to Anthem and I, I should probably, uh, clarify, I've had like minimal contact with Anthem. I've taught them a little bit. Um, so just full disclosure there. So, there's definitely some remnants of the old Impact Wrestling that I think really detracts from the show. So, for example, like Anthem, for whatever reason, is not spending a ton of money either because they don't have it, which, again, this is all speculation. I don't know. Uh, but they do yes. these things like it'll cut from Don and Josh Matthews to Don and Josh Matthews, like clearly in front of a green screen. And it, that, to me, is like it's almost a step above public access. Like it really detracts from 
Uh, you know, impact has always been positioned as like the number two, and we can argue whether or not that that's still the case. Uh, they should not be doing like public access shit like that. They should at least have you know Gail Kim works backstage. Let Gail Kim be uh, the per- the correspondent, or they just hired Alicia Tout. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I don't know, um, <laughs> yes. but you know she's the new backstage interviewer. Let let her do it. You know, like why when you cut to. The two people that we just heard talking for the past half hour, it's like they're the only people that work there. Uh, so there's little things like that that are deeply frustrating. And then there's things like uh, Eddie Edwards had a segment um, this evening, and I don't know when this will air, but uh, he goes into his house and his wife is gone and he's having a, a hissy fit. And, like, very clearly it, it just reeks of this, hey, do you guys remember the attitude? Huh? 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 Uh, uh, I, I think, you know, I think that shit needs to die. I, you know, it's like the Kylo Ren thing. Uh, let the past die, kill it if you have to. That, that's sort of how I feel with the attitude error <laughs> and, and anything that resembles it. So there's a lot of that. Uh, the, the women continue to be like the, the lead. Like they really are the standout. They have the most defined characters. Uh, they, there's also just like these little, you know, it's mostly production, I think, that is what it comes down to. Like last week, there was, you know, obviously I mentioned Diamante I don't know how many times at this point. Everybody should be taking a drink every time I mention her name. Uh, but there, there was like a segment where they cut away and she's backstage talking to LAX and they got the guy King who's, you know, trying to guide them. And so, uh, there's this really awkward thing where they get up and Diamante leaves with, uh, the other guys and King is alone. And then they cut to like, you know, they're clearly this really shitty, uh, royalty free music that must have cost like $24. Uh, okay. And then they play it, and then King just looks at the camera and goes, oh, the world is mine. And it's like, oh, fuck, man, who is writing this? There's there's a lot of production stuff that, I mean, they have such a talented roster. I, I think the match quality is as good as it's ever been. Uh, again, the knockouts division is as good as it's ever been. You have Austin Aries back uh, being appreciated yeah. where he wasn't in WWE. So there's what's, what's demanding is that there's so much to like. But they suffer from the same issues that ROH did for a long time, where the, the production value is just so bad. Uh, and what's, what kills me is that these are all cheap fixes. Like everything that I just mentioned to you, someone on YouTube could easily fix, or someone on YouTube could probably make something better and higher quality uh, than what they're putting out. And I think that's the thing that's just maddening to me, is that you could easily improve this product and not spend money, and they're just not doing it for whatever reason. Okay, so and would you say a lot of it, and the best comes off as cheesy? Is that a right word, a good word for it? Yeah, I think that you know the problem is that because Lucha Underground exists, they can't do these backs to these backstage segments the way that they're doing them. And so what I mean by that is like Lucha Underground it does such a good job of being a television show that just so happens to feature professional wrestling. <laughs> like the professional wrestling is like completely secondary. Um, to all the crazy shit that's going on. And it, it looks like it's filmed. You know, it's got to, like this really high-quality aesthetic right. to it. And and so Impact can't do that, but they continue to try. Like the Ed, Eddie Edwards feud with OVEs, them very clearly trying to do like these backstage vignettes that are in the vein of Lucha Underground, but the production quality is just not there. Uh, and so it really suffers for that reason. And, and so they're also stuck between that and WWE, where, you know, even WWE's, product that they don't spend much money on which would be nxt right that's got better that's got professional production quality uh, and that's the closest thing that's an equivalent to impact so they kind of get stuck in this middle of we're not as good as wwe and we're not as good as uh which underground and then we got roh 
who uh, Sinclair is investing more and more money into, and then you got New Japan that Mark Cuban is investing more and more money into. Uh, right. So very clearly, in, in the not-too-distant future, they're going to get squeezed out um, by not making these small changes that, that are cheap, but they just can't seem to do. Oh, no, that's a very interesting take, and it sounds, uh, it sounds like it makes sense. Uh, I, I, I'm, like pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I just talked myself out of ever being hired by Ed Northholm, uh, <laughs> which is okay. So any wrestling leagues that are hiring, hey, uh, I am always here. Great, great. Um, I wanted to uh, switch gears again. We're going to switch gears a couple more times, and then we're going to yeah, take sure. it home. Um, just because we mentioned we're, we mentioned social media, and because there's so much negative negativity in in uh, the Twitter world and in the wrestling Twitter world, uh, do you have any good examples? Uh, apologies, if I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have any good examples of people in the wrestling industry that are using Twitter for good or or uh, or just really good on Twitter? Um, or re- besides David Starr, who says he's really good at Twitter, but just people who are who are really good at uh, tweeting in the wrestling industry that come to your mind? Yeah, Chris Wolf, uh, hands down, Chris Wolf. She she's got a weekly YouTube show. She um, she puts a lot of effort into the images and graphics and gifts that that she uploads, which people that aren't familiar with Twitter's algorithm. Uh, like, if you just post a tweet or if you just post a tweet with an outbound link, uh, the algorithm does not like that, and most people won't see what you're tweeting. But if you include a picture, if you include a GIF, if you include an embedded video, uh, people are, the algorithm likes that, and it's more likely to surface. And so I always see Chris Wolf's tweets uh, for that okay. reason. So she, like, hands down is, to me, the best example of what a wrestler could be doing. I, I think Big E is another example where... Uh, I don't. I try not to use the WWE people, for example. One, because I know that not all of them manage their social, but two, um, they're easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel to pick someone from WWE. So um, right. Big E would definitely be someone that does it great. But I think, yeah, if you're listening to this and you want to see like wrestling Twitter done right, uh, Chris Wolf definitely does it. I think Jordan Grace also is kind of hilarious in that uh, she public- publicly shames people. And so, yeah, uh, and good you, for her. <laughs> yeah, I, I really <laughs> like that she does yeah. it. Uh, I know it's gross that she gets the messages that she gets, but like she is constantly taking uh, these crazy Facebook messages that she gets and she's posting them and then like leaving funny comments on Twitter. Uh, right. So, that to me is another good use of you know, using social media against like negative social media. Uh, where you're taking something that's kind of dark and shitty and you're, you're just having some fun at it. So uh, she, she is also very good at that. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I think that could have uh, a positive effect for just anyone who's thinking about potentially, vi- you know, harassing someone in another, in, in the direct message uh, system that they have. Yeah. You know? uh, so yeah. it's like, and that's what I like about it is that it could potentially lead to less of that in the future. So yes, I, I, I always like, or at least favorite those tweets when she, uh, you know, calls out people for just push or uh, going over the line, if you will. You um, know, who's also good, uh, NWA, I'm going to give a lot of credit to. So Lagana and Billy Corgan for, I, I guess I assume that everyone listening to this knows like there's a new NWA, right? Uh, yes. I yeah. I mean, they, okay. I, I would say, I would say they probably should. And Bill and also, uh, probably because too, we covered uh, Warrior Wrestling pretty heavily, which was okay. I'm not sure if you heard of that show. It was a show that was run yeah. by 
Oh, great. Yeah, I was run by uh, the principal of a high school who has kind of uh, like a wrestling background. But uh, the NWA championship was there. So I would think at least majority of the regular listeners do. Yeah, so they they do a pretty good job of working with very little that they do have to work with. Um, So, for example, you know, they they got like an in-ring confrontation with uh, Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis, uh, where they're going to wrestle for the NWA title. Um, so their YouTube channel is very good, and I, I think that that's probably the, the best use of YouTube I've seen for a wrestling league that doesn't really have a good footprint. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of better examples out there of just different leagues, but to me, they're using YouTube really well to say, "Yo, we exist," and as soon as these things happen, yeah. we're getting them online. And so, uh, yeah, NWA's YouTube channel I think is worth checking out. I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I don't know what their plans are, but. I think uh, All In is going to be very instructive in, in shaping what NWA does and doesn't do with video. So, and by the way, All In is also going to be streaming. So that that's another yes. good example of using social media. So I'm very excited. I tried getting tickets, and uh, they were sold out in less than an hour, I think it was. Yeah. Well, like as uh-huh. soon as they went up, uh, they were sold out. I was really bummed about it. But uh, that's just another example of like using social media really well is uh, Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks. Uh, I mean, yes, they do have the advantage of being on TV and and all that, but they they use social pretty well. I'm I'm so grateful for that because uh, while that was going on, I was uh, preparing for an interview, and I chose to just keep preparing for it instead of you know going on and trying to refresh for tickets for like a, it wouldn't have been that long because all the tickets were gone and like. Yeah. Uh, and I had a lot of – I was shouldering some regret when I realized, like, you know, I wouldn't have a ticket, but I'm really, really glad that it's going to be streamable. So a sigh of relief came for me when I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Twitch, is, Twitch has been a godsend for indie wrestling. Um, True. They, I think people, you know, they always disregard Twitch as, like, this gaming thing in social media circles and in the marketing industry. But for indie wrestling, I mean, uh, House of Hardcore, for example, is a promo that – a promotion where if I didn't have Twitch, I wouldn't be able to follow it, but I'm actually able to, to watch their events. And um, I, I think that it's right now it's underutilized. I don't think they're getting the most from it that they can, but yeah. uh, slowly but certainly it's turning into a great channel for indie wrestling. I, had a tw- I got a Twitter question for you because you spoke of sure. algorithms, which is something that's very interesting to me. And it makes sense, the outbound links, right? They want to keep people on Twitter. Um, uh, something that we're doing that I feel like is working pretty well, and I don't know if it, it's considered spammy, so let me know if it is, I guess, in Twitter's eyes, sure. is that obviously we want to link to our website and or, and or SoundCloud so people can listen to our podcast or iTunes or whatever. Um, but what we're doing is we're with the link and a description of what's in the podcast. We're using a nice image as well, and then we're potentially taking advantage of um i kind of like we will tag people in that photo but we're going to tag up to 10 whether the person is in the photo or not um what do you think of that method is that considered spammy or is it because we're including an image and maybe like all the people that we're tagging in are related to the podcast but not, might not be in the photo what do you think of that method yeah i think if they're if their name drops uh on the podcast you know you, you should definitely hit them up um, I, I think okay. that's okay. I, I wouldn't abuse that. Like <laughs> that could easily be something that uh, someone could flag as spam, and if enough uh, people do it, then you, could, you could run into a problem. But I, okay. I think as long as as long. So, for example, again, Drinky, if you hear me say Diamante, um, like I think clearly it makes sense to tag her in posting this because I've, I've mentioned her like twenty times already. 
in the span of a half hour. So uh, that makes sense, for example. But I wouldn't, like, just randomly tag people. What I would do, I don't know if you guys have one, but I would definitely get, like, an email newsletter together for uh, your most active fans. And when the show goes live, I would send it to them first and say, hey, can you share this? I, I think that email marketing, I'm going to sound old here, but it still works. It, it, wor it still works. I know that Gmail has made it slightly more difficult um, because they've started to sort emails in a way that they really shouldn't be, but they're doing that. Um, but it's still mm -hmm. like 90% more effective than anything else. So that's, that's what I tell people to do. That's sort of the trick to Kickstarter also that people don't realize is that if you – so if you upload something to YouTube or Kickstarter or Facebook – uh, it doesn't really matter because they all they all sort of use the same algorithm. Uh, if you have something that just uploads, you need as much activity as possible within like the first 10 minutes, uh, preferably even the first hour, but it's usually the first 10 minutes that matter the most. And if you don't have it, then they very slowly push you down the ranking so that people don't see it. And so the trick to that is to use an email blast just before something goes live and you go, hey, uh, this thing is going to go live at this time on, or, you know, I'm going to upload it on YouTube. Uh, can you do me a favor? As soon as it goes live, watch it all the way through. Like they can't just watch like two seconds of it. They got to watch it all the way through, uh, like it and share it on Facebook because by doing that, it tells the system, this is something to pay attention to. And the same is true for Kickstarter. The same is true for Twitter. If you upload something, oh, wow. uh, you want, you want a lot of activity as soon as it goes up because it, it, they refer to it as recency. And so they want, fresh, relevant content to be surfaced to people. And so the only way they really know if something is fresh and relevant is if it's posted first and there's a lot of activity around it as soon as it goes live. And so that's sort of the, uh, you know, you can totally abuse that. A lot of people do. So anyone listening to this, feel free to abuse that. Um, the trick is to get organized enough to, to take advantage of it. Uh, but that's yes. how those systems work. And so that's that's really what I would recommend more than, than ta tagging people is fine. But if you can get like a couple of diehard fans uh, every week to, to upvote and share and do all those things as soon as the thing goes live, that's probably more effective. Great. I'm, I'm marking that down right now as we're talking recency. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that stuff is, that's really cool. And it makes sense. Um, but a lot of the stuff is interesting to me because I live in that world, uh, not only with a podcast, but just with my career. So that's really cool. To yeah. Hear. I just people don't stop to think about stuff like that, uh, which is why I wrote the book. That, that's why I wrote Social Media as well, sir, because I was like, right. yo, it, it's fine to tell people to use Facebook, but you should know, you know, the average Facebook post lives for 11 minutes. Uh, it's probably less than that now. I, you know, I wrote that book in 2012, so it's probably like two minutes now. Oh, yeah. But like that's those are things that we don't think about that, that you should stop and consider when you post things, because if it's not seen in those first two minutes, it's never going to be seen. And so, yeah, these are important things I think people just don't talk about. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially to uh, Facebook organic is even probably worse today than it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, um, it definitely is. Uh, great. Uh, I'm going to let you go. I want to answer one more, or I want one more, one more, excuse me. I want one more answer from you. Um, sure. Just because I saw that, I believe the May Young Classic 2018 was announced. Yeah. Um, and uh, early favorites for that, or like people that you want to see in, in, in the tournament this year? I really want to see Io Shiari. I don't think she's going to make her debut there. There's another, uh, I can't think of her name. I just read it. There's, there's another big star uh, from women's wrestling in Japan that will be in the tournament. Uh, and so I don't think that they're also going to have Io in the same tournament because it, it might take away. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to see Miriam win it, honestly. Um, 
because she because she can do so much in the ring, because she can wrestle with the guys, because she's got the television experience, I, I think that she's sort of ready made for NXT. Um, I would love to see Diamante in there, but you know she wrestled like one dark match. <laughs> uh, everybody, everybody, again, take a drink. Um, she's actually wrestled a dark a match with Oscar uh, on NXT under her real name. People can go and look that up. Yeah, Ooh. I think Mia Yim because she was in the tournament last year. So I would really like to see someone that was in the tournament last year. Because uh, I, I like the redemption angle of it. I really like, hey, you know, I, it didn't work out last year, but I'm back. Uh, I'm going to work my ass off. And I, I think wrestling fans tend to gravitate towards things like that. So I, she would be my pick if she gets into it. Great, great. Well, uh, BJ, this has been a very, very fun interview. Um, I'm going to allow you to, once again, I know, because I know you got just are working on a lot of cool stuff. Um, and just tell us all about it really quick. Um and yeah, plug, you know, I know you're huge on Twitter, obviously, as well. Uh, so just plug all, all of that uh, before uh, before we end. So you have the floor. Yeah. So if you like pro wrestling, follow me on Twitter at BJ Mendelssohn. Uh, that's really all I use Twitter for is professional wrestling comic books and complaints about the New York Mets. Uh, as you might guess, <laughs> baseball. I've got a lot to complain about this season. Uh, but yeah, if you want to see what I'm up to, all my comics, all my books are on BJMendelssohn.com. And like I said, if you go to the contact page, my phone number's on there. You can text me. That's pretty much how I interact with everybody. And if you text me the word sheetrock, uh, which is spelled exactly as it sounds, sheet of paper, you know, rock, sheetrock, I will send you a free PDF copy of Social Media's Bullshit. Great, great. Uh, well, once again, thank you for your time. It's been, I've honestly had a great time talking to you just because of, uh, we've bounced our conversation off of every single wall potentially that you could have. And it's just been really uh, entertaining for me. So thanks. Thanks for your time. And uh, yeah, best of luck with everything. I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you guys taking time and having me on. <laughs>